0: You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. Audrey, it has been a long time. (laughs) It has. Thank you so much for, um, A, agreeing to be on my podcast, and B... Wanting to talk about one of my favorite movies, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is something we share.
1: Yes. We so, do have some pirate history together. <laughs> we have pirate history together.
0: And we were in a pirate play in high school around the time, not the first Pirates movie, but around some of the time the sequels were coming out. So mm-hmm. Pirates were big back then.
1: It's true. I think they're still big now. It's just different.
0: So when you first saw The Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one, Mm -hmm. for the first time, did you go in having any expectations of what it was going to be like?
1: Hmm. Expectations. I know that I was really excited about it because, in my opinion, there hadn't been a really great swashbuckling movie to date that was – well-balanced with action and good costuming, music. Nothing really just pulled me in and drew me to the story. And so I was very excited. When it came out, I wasn't really sure what to expect. It could be terrible or, as it turned out to be, it could be really, really great. So up to that point,
0: what would you consider was the most swashbuckling movie To that point in your life. And it doesn't have to be like piratey, but just something that was like that adventure movie thing.
1: I would say a big one was probably The Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. That one had that good sense of adventure, intrigues, costumes, some sword fighting. Probably one of the most epic sword fighting scenes ever up on the hilltop with Inigo Montoya. But just not enough sword fighting in my opinion. And Not enough time out on the high seas like a good pirate movie should be.
0: And Pirates of the Caribbean has all those wonderful things. It does. How old? I'm trying to think. We're about the same age, yeah? Mm -hmm. So I think it came out when we were around 13, 14?
1: Yeah, it came out in 2003 is what I remember. So I would have been 14, 15 at the time.
0: And when you came out of that movie, what what was like the thing that stuck with you after that first time?
1: Oh man, um, just how amazing it was, and the excitement, the thrill. I think I wanted to turn around and buy a ticket for the next showing <laughs> yes. and watch it all over again. Yes, and
0: it's held up over time. Would you say that you, when you watch it, you still get that
1: special adventure? satisfaction yes I definitely do even though I know what's coming I always love getting to watch it and have that excitement still
0: what do you think makes it so special to you what what is the lasting thread for pirates for you
1: I have always loved the ocean always loved ships and pirates have always just been really fun. I know they're romanticized in today's culture, but just all of that and my love for the ocean and boats, ships, Um, it still just is a movie that draws me in with that. The costumes, a damsel in distress that's also able to kind of hold her own as well. The dueling love interest, Got to throw that out there as well. But it's just still a movie that I love. And when we, my husband and I sit down, we're like, hey, let's kick back today with a fun movie. Pirates of the Caribbean is always one of the top. And let's talk about the costumes because you, I know in the
0: past, you have made some very amazing costumes. Can you tell our audience what you have made and what seeing a good costume drama is like for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of annoying to watch movies with because I will <laughs> pick out little nuances like, oh, they used a zipper on that costume and zippers weren't around yet, or they're using fake flowers there. It would have been different here. So I'm a little, yeah, annoying in that respect. <laughs> the costumes in Pirates, very beautiful. And there's the historical inaccuracies and some of it some of it was very on point elizabeth's dress at the beginning the one where she can't breathe beautiful i loved it i actually made a costume based off of that pattern and it turned out pretty well it wasn't historically accurate but i loved it i've made a pirate corset also fun I've wanted to make a pirate jacket. Uh, Kendra, I know you made a pirate jacket in high school for the pirate play we were in. And that's just always blown me away. I'm like, I want to be like Kendra and make a pirate (laughs) jacket someday. And I hope (laughs) someday.
0: You know what I would say? Uh, I still have that jacket, actually. And something I kind of wish I had done, I actually chose the male pattern for mm-hmm. it because I thought that one looked more, I don't know, realistic, if you will. Yeah. But ever since, I've actually kind of wished that I had used the female version because okay. the arms do not fit me. Like, it, it is the smallest size, and it's still huge on me, oh, especially okay. in the shoulders. So when you make your pirate jacket use the female <laughs> use the female pattern it'll look so much more flattering
1: <laughs> yeah thank you for that well you're still turned out really great it did I I am very
0: fond of that jacket what would you say are like your top three costume picks in let's go with all of the pirates movies because there are some really fun costumes in oh, all of those no. so top three for you
1: Hmm. That's a lot to think of. Let's see. Elizabeth Swan definitely has the most diverse costumes Mm -hmm. in all the movies. Like she's always getting to wear something new, whether it's a big elaborate Victorian dress or just her undergarments or men's clothing or cool female pirate garb. She gets quite the variety. Definitely her I can't breathe dress is probably the most iconic and one of my favorites. Just the beauty of it, the intricacy, the I can't breathe thing, like said corsets. Corsets were made to breathe. I'm just going to throw that out there. I love corsets. Think they should still be a thing, but they get a bad rap that you're not allowed to breathe in them. Not true, but it was needed for the movie. Thank that you I for dress, throwing that out there. Yeah, I have to. That dress is one. Jack Sparrow's garb and outfit has definitely become iconic as well. So many people have tried to recreate it and dress like that. That's definitely one. And I really liked the pirate outfits when they're all gathering in the third movie in the Pirate Cove. Just the different trends you get from the different cultures Mm -hmm. of the pirates. Kings is what they're called, the pirate kings. I really enjoyed that and just seeing different fashions from around the world come in and gather together with these people.
0: Well, and I would say that is a historically accurate part of the movie because there are accounts of pirates. They lived extravagantly. Um, for example, Calico Jack, He's his nickname is Calico Jack because he always wore really bright calico prints. And so you do get the idea that pirates really were kind of eccentric and flashy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of jewelry. They love to be gaudy. And that might have been downplayed a little bit in the pirates movies, but that's Mm -hmm. okay.
0: So what characters do you relate to the most in the movie and why?
1: (laughs) Well, I love Jack Sparrow's just go with the flow, improvise in the moment, make the best of every situation kind of attitude. And I can relate to that, to him in that way, because there's a lot you can't control. You can have a goal in mind and things come up that thwart it. And you have to improvise on the spot and to do it in a funny and dramatic way. I just love (laughs) that. I admire Will Turner's fierceness. And his drive to accomplish something he gets a goal in his mind, something he has to accomplish, whether it's save Elizabeth or save his father, and he is going to make it happen, he definitely throughout the movies goes kind of back and forth. And sometimes you're like, wait, that's really out of character for Will to be doing. He was so black and white in the first movie and straight laced. And now he's doing kind of these shady things. And which way is he taking this? Here he's betraying somebody. But then coming back and it worked out. So I admire his drive to accomplish things. And Elizabeth Swan, she definitely had some character development. She's not necessarily someone that I relate to a ton. I like her character and that she's a go get them kind of girl. There were times she annoyed me in the movies and parts that seemed kind of out of character for her from where she was at the first movie. But overall, she does a decent job.
0: Which is your favorite of them?
1: Definitely the first one. <laughs> yeah. And then how would you rank them after that? yeah that's a good question i really struggled struggled that could be an overstatement here i did not enjoy (laughs) the second and third movies as much because of that character deviation Mm -hmm. that will turner and elizabeth really portrayed in the second and third movies and the fighting between them the way they miscommunicated it drove me crazy because I'm sitting over here, like, come on, communication's not that hard. Just tell them how you feel and listen <laughs> to her and understand where she's coming from. and tell her your struggle. That bothered me for a long time. And I actually had to watch the second and third movies a few times to actually grasp the undertones of what was happening. and with will and jack actually being on the same page with the plan just having to be shady about how they go about it and to get there so those two have grown on me number four pretty disconnected from the first trilogy and it was fun i enjoyed it not my favorite i enjoyed number five Mm. um is that on stranger tides i think think, is the sub name of it
0: no, dead men tell no tales, oh, yeah. I think.
1: There we go. I yeah, I it's hard to keep track. Yeah, and I enjoyed the plot line of that one. The Karina character, maybe it's just the actress, really drives me nuts. But I try not to let that stop me from enjoying the movie. But I did really enjoy the fifth one might be my second favorite
0: okay and what about the fifth one like what about the story do you because that one to me actually feels more disconnected than the others because the only follow-through character is jack
1: you do have barbosa in it
0: oh that's right you do i forgot about i forgot yeah. about barbosa that's yeah, terrible but... that was actually <laughs> no, a big okay. part of that movie <laughs>
1: So I liked it that it just did have kind of the ties back to Will and Elizabeth, even though it was in the younger generation.
0: Mm, That's true.
1: And trying to bring resolution to what really was a big heartbreak in number three, where Will Turner Mm. becomes the captain of the Flying Dutchman and can only come back to land once every 10 years. Um, I think that too is why I hated or I disliked number three a lot was because we had all this buildup around this love story, and we just want Will and Elizabeth to be together. Mm-hmm. And then to save his life, he can only come back to land once every 10 years. And so there's your tragedy in it. And then the fifth one breaks that curse. And if we're all about breaking curses from the first movie, the fifth movie, really ties in with that and brings resolution back to what happened in the third movie that's true and
0: i'm with you in that the the third one was very unsatisfactory to me like it was a it was a fun ride but Mm -hmm. it yeah you really want will and elizabeth to be together like we've been hoping that since the first movie and and in the fifth they finally get to be together
1: Yeah. And it was a little corny having, you know, seeing them together there at the end, but it made your heart happy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. After all that struggle, they finally get what they wanted.
0: So I was going to be a little geeky for a moment and talk about, uh, So you know, I really enjoy learning about movies and filmmaking and stuff. And it's fascinating because for many, many years – there was a, like a silent ban on pirate movies and they, they actually called it the pirate curse. Really? Yes. And it was Oh, I was going to look up which movie did it. And I don't remember. There were like two in the, in around the fifties, sixties, there were two really hyped up pirate movies. And, um, I believe one was Captain Blood, and the other one I don't remember. Would Um, one of them be Pirates of Penzance? I know that was like a musical. I don't know. Right. That one actually wasn't um, because that was based off of the stage play. No, it was like a a big budget. I should have looked this up before this podcast. My apologies. This is a bad (laughs) researcher here but it was a really hyped up movie and had several well-known actors and was just and it just flopped. Hmm. And like I say there were two of them kind of not necessarily right after each other but in the same time frame. And after that studios would not even touch scripts for pirate movies. For you know through the 70s, through the 80s, 90s And it was a thing like they would actively reject pirate scripts to the point when they brought the movie Pirates of the Caribbean to the producer, they were very, very hesitant. And the producers were really, really concerned. The director had to keep bringing them to the set and ensuring them no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be because there, there were two risks. On that one is that it was a pirate movie and the other it was based off of a ride at Disneyland and because producers usually don't take risks like that it's kind of a miracle Pirates of the Caribbean got made at all and then not only did it get made but it quote-unquote broke the pirate curse to the point that you know it's several years later. And we, you know, when did the fifth one come out? Like two, three years ago? Yeah, I think three, maybe even four years. But yeah, three. Yeah. Within the past five years. And we're still getting pirate movies. And I just think that is so fascinating. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think it was that broke the curse? And why did this movie at this particular time just connect with so many of us?
1: hmm Well, the first things that come to my mind is they made pirates entertaining and funny, relatable really pirates were gross. They would have stunk. They weren't nice people. They did not do great things. And so it could be hard to take a group of notorious people to make them likable. And maybe we needed better acting, better filmography, better costuming to make that happen. Johnny Depp is a phenomenal actor, and he made Jack Sparrow a character that everybody loves. So I think that probably played a big part into it specifically.
0: Yeah, you're right. And the previous movies kind of had pirates as, as kind of caricatures where the with the parrot on the shoulder and the hook and uh, kind of, I would actually say, like influenced from Pirates of Panzance. Mm-hmm. like stage theatrical costumey type and Pirates of the Caribbean did I guess for Pirates what um, Christopher Nolan did for Batman and made it kind of gritty like more gritty but also more flavorful at the same time if that makes sense right and they
1: were able to parrot you have a bad group of pirates that are okay with killing people looting plundering But then you have a helpful pirate who's also out for his own agenda, but he's also got some morals and a character behind him that makes him likable. And maybe that helped having that dynamic, kind of showing that reality of what pirates did, but then having one that was maybe a little more against the norm of pirates. Yeah, that definitely allows the audience to connect with them better.
0: And now it's time for random recommendations.
1: I would recommend that if anybody is interested in the costumes from Pirates and recreating it, to look into the history of fashion in that time and try to find some historically accurate patterns, the simplicity pattern that I used to make the Elizabeth Swan I Can't Breathe dress, Fun pattern, easy to make, but not historically accurate whatsoever. And I think there's just something gratifying about making a dress, a costume piece, the way it would have been made in that day. I'm not saying go out and stitch it by hand. You can if you're really, really extreme like that. But look at what items would have been used then and there would they have had zippers would they have been using pins or lacing to hook in stomachers and how tight would a corset have been when jack sparrow rips off her dress underwater it always made me chuckle because you just have this beautiful dress floating down and she's just left in her undergarments but like where's her bum pad where's the petticoat what <laughs> happened to like Four or five other things that would have been underneath this dress, but individually hooked onto her. And it's just very interesting to look into the history of fashion, how it's changed. So if you want to make a costume again, look into how it would have been back then. Don't just base it off what you see on the big screen. Do you have plans for making a more historically accurate costume? I... Would like to. I don't know that I would do it necessarily based off anything in the movie. But as I've followed more historical dressmakers, I really would love to make an ensemble that has all the undergarments and then the dress made historically. Um, Because when you have proper undergarments on, that dress is going to fit your body so well. Yes. And it makes such a difference.
0: Yeah, it really does. I think that's kind of what put a damper on some of my sewing ambitions is when I kind of realized that and it's like, this is, you know, to make one costume, it's a lot to mm-hmm. make a historically accurate costume. It's ambitious and I love the
1: idea of it. I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> it's daunting, it's it a is. big endeavor. I hope you your... do. Well, thanks. I will let you know if I ever do, I'll probably start small. And it's tough not being in theater anymore and having a reason to I know make a big fancy <laughs> costume, other than to just do it, which I just might. You you need
0: to do it. And then I want to hear all about it because that like making a, a historically accurate dress is an adventure all in itself.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. But let me tell you, I'm so thankful for a sewing machine. (laughs) Oh, amen. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay, so moving back to Pirates a little bit. (laughs) Part of the reason I love Pirates is because of the music. And I want to talk a little bit about the music. Just when I say Pirates of the Caribbean music, what are some of the things that you think of that you like, favorite tracks, etc., etc.?
1: Hmm. Oh, there's so many. I love music from all of it. You have the main theme from the first one, which was just so captivating. And I think that also helped make this movie a hit was this impressive classical music, but it was exciting. It had movement to it and depth to it it just played so well into the cinematography, the filmography. I think of when Jack Sparrow's making his entrance in the first movie and he's on his little ship, but you see him on a mast and you expect him on this big grand ship and he's on this little sinking boat and the music building up there to where he's coming into the harbor and you have that build up there. That music is just awesome. And that's a theme that carries throughout all five movies and then each one each movie has its own little theme a motif that gets added and you have the beautiful i think it's the violins when will and elizabeth finally kiss in the flying on the flying dutchman in the third movie um i want to hum it but also i don't want to because that would be terrible for our listeners (laughs) But then how that gets pulled into the fifth movie, I would say the movie I'm least familiar with the music is going to be number four. But even then, they gave Blackbeard and the Queen Anne's Revenge really great music anytime the ship or Blackbeard is doing something. There's a deep, bassy motif that they play for them, and that was really cool too.
0: The fourth one is... So interesting to me. I I have mixed feelings about it because that it has a lot of Spanish guitar in it, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. I love that. But it sometimes it feels like there's not a lot of originality. It and it feels like, okay, do all the themes, but do it with a guitar now. Yes. I actually really enjoy some of the remixes on the album. That has more of that Spanish guitar playing. But kind of with a techno beat as well. Which is just really crazy. It's, it's not in the movie. It's just for the album. Because they randomly decided to do that. I don't know. <laughs>
1: because they can.
0: Because they can.
1: <laughs> and that's
0: been. There's there's like two tracks on that one. That I can't get enough of. But they're completely disconnected in my mind. From anything else Pirates related.
1: Okay. Interesting. I was going to ask, have you heard the Piano Guys mix of the Pirate of the Caribbean music? They kind of take a motive from all the movies and then they've put it together in this beautiful song.
0: Oh my goodness. I love the Piano Guys, but I think
1: I've actually missed that. I'm, oh, I'm going to have
0: to watch that.
1: Yeah, go find it. It's from their Uncharted CD Okay, and it's one of my favorite renditions of all the pirate themes and it's great
0: oh that sounds amazing can you list like three of your favorite music tracks and kind of explain what maybe what part of the movie it's at or what it sounds like for people who un- unlike me don't have all the tracks titles memorized <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah there's the main that's really great. I actually wanted that to be the recessional at my wedding, but didn't. And if I could go back and change anything about the wedding, it would be to play that song. But that's definitely <laughs> one of my all-time favorites. Mm. Um, there's this violin motif. I think it's the one with Will and Elizabeth. I forget the name of it. You might need to cut that out. But that they play that one a lot in the fifth movie. And I think it's just beautiful. And that then it the also movie. shows
0: up in the third, which yes. is really great.
1: It, like yeah. you said, that's when they, that's
0: like their little loves when, when they're kissing on the flying Dutchman. Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know the name of it. Cause I just pop in the CD and just drive and listen to it. And I don't think
0: that motif necessarily has a name, but I know like it's in there. It's in yeah. ev- everything. Anyway. Yeah.
1: And then one that's not as pleasant to listen to, but I think is just a great piece of music is the screeching violins. You first hear it when Elizabeth is on the Black Pearl with Barbosa, and he throws her out onto the deck and she sees all the pirates as skeletons for the first time and you just have those screeching eerie violins and I thought they just did a great way of incorporating Mm -hmm. that style of violin playing into the movie and it can be kind of nerve grating sometimes but it's a tool of music and they did a really great job with that one
0: It's very effective in the movie. Yeah, it's so interesting. I am not a big fan of the second and third movies, Mm -hmm. but the third movie is my, that's my favorite soundtrack. I probably listen to that more as equal or more than the first one because there's so many different sounds in that one. My favorite track is Up Is Down. That's when they're trying to turn the ship upside down to get to the underworld if you will and it has this really fun kind of that pirate sea adventure feel and it's just so fun Mm -hmm. and then it also um, has some pretty strange stuff when Jack is alone in the underworld (laughs) it it almost sounds alien or like something from a science fiction movie and and that's again not necessarily pleasant to listen to but it's so different and interesting i love right.
1: it yeah and it really plays in well for just the crazy mental state that he's in in that moment being yes. alone on this what davy jones locker is what it's called i think yes you're With right in the <laughs> world of craziness And I do love from the second and third ones, the organ song Mm -hmm. that they play um, or that Davy Jones plays. And it's just so sad and beautiful. And it makes you really feel for him and the heartbreak he's gone through, but also he's doing terrible things. Have you ever heard of those
0: masterclass series? I think so. Someone gifted me with like some free Access. Nice. And uh, I immediately went and found the course by Hans Zimmer.
1: who <gasps> Yes.
0: and Oh my goodness. It was like, because I, I had I didn't have very good internet connection at the time. And I was I was working, I was going to school, all this stuff. And so I, uh, I would watch it on my lunch breaks. And I would just call it my lunch break with Hans, because he is just such a fun person to listen to and I I don't even really play music that well I keep, like all of my experience with music is I love listening to it and I can read some music but I'm not a composer or anything by far and, and that's what the the master class series is like for of people interested in getting into that field or wanting to polish their things and despite not being on a trajectory to become a film composer at all. I loved the masterclass because it's mostly just Hans Zimmer telling stories and talking about his music. And after watching that, I think he, he has a very close relationship with the directors he works with. I kind of think Davy Jones was based off of him (laughs) just by some of the things he said. Not that he's like a tragic Mm anti-hero, but that his his obsession with like playing the organ (laughs) and music (laughs) and like he'll be like, and then I get to do this and he'll just like turn to his keyboard and start playing something really dramatic and it's like, that's like Davy Jones. I think they based Davy Jones off Lawn Simmer. Interesting. <laughs> but I would highly recommend it because a lot he talks about some of his other things as well, but a lot of it is about pirates. Mm-hmm. And he deconstructs Jack's theme and how he wrote it. And like it's it's very character-based and feeling-based, and how it's amazing how this composer is just so good at what he does. And he understands movies so well. And he understands movies so well. He's like, and then I put in this little note because it's kind of naughty. And it's just <laughs> great. So you would probably really enjoy it. It's I think it's like $15 for that one class. And that's all I did. I had more, but I watched the one on Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman. And I was like, I'm done.
1: Unless there's more composers, I'm done. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to look into it. Hans Zimmer, he is a phenomenal composer. And that's so interesting what you said about him, like looking at the characters and working closely with the producers to make music that fits for that character in that moment, in that era. And I would say the music of the Pirates of the Caribbean and the other four really is one of the biggest elements of the movie that has captivated people. You can hear many, many parts of pirate movies, and maybe you haven't even seen the pirate movies, but you know what movie that's connected to. And I'm not sure how many movies do that. Maybe Star Wars, the Imperial March, Kind of thing. Um, But yeah, music is moving and music has personality. And it's just awesome to watch how the music of pirates works and complements the characters and what's Uh, happening in the movie.
0: I would say the music is as iconic as any of the characters, which does put it into like the star Wars league of having Uh, music be as recognizable as the logo or the characters or anything. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Something that's so fun and is kind of different about Pirates of the Caribbean than any other pirate film, um, especially the ones that flopped, is it has supernatural and magical elements to it. And so I was wondering, what do you think of those elements? Which ones uh, do you think really work or maybe don't work?
1: Yeah, I felt the stuff in the first one worked great. You have a cursed pirate ship linked to treasure that was cursed, tying back to Cortez and the evil that happened with him. I thought it worked really, really well. I didn't love, in the second and third one, the Flying Dutchman and the crew, kind of how they took on ocean form, Mm -hmm. animal creatures and things. That was a little hard to wrap my head around. But it worked. Like, it's grown on me. Kind of like it grew on them. (laughs) 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 Um, But it was great. And then the fourth one with the Fountain of Youth. It was cool to see that connection and tie in. Very different, it seemed, but it worked. And then the fifth one with Poseidon's Trident. Kind of corny in some areas, but again, I liked how they incorporated getting all the curses broken, going back to the first movie, the third movie. So there were themes You had in the second one, you had the black spot finally show up on Jack's hand. And that was fun to see Mm -hmm. because black spots were a thing in Pirates and the lore with them. But I would say overall, they did a decent job of bringing it in, the curses and such, and not making it be super corny. They made it pretty realistic and they did a good job with it.
0: I think I particularly like the black spot showing up on Jack's hand. Before Pirates of the Caribbean, my favorite pirate swashbuckling adventure was Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> yes. which, which the black spot, it, it's so, it is corny and, and a goofy movie. But the way they do the whole black spot thing really imprinted on me as a kid. Like, this is a terrible, horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And so when it shows up on Jack's hand, I thought that was just such a great use of the supernatural, magical element combined with the piratey stuff.
1: Yes. Oh, and we have to do a throw out to the Kraken. They mm. did such a great job with the Kraken. And I was so sad when it died. Even though it was a terrible beast, it's still a beautiful water creature. And that was fun to see incorporated into the movies. So you mentioned before that you had an interest in pirates
0: before you saw Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure where that came from or why. Um, It could be Treasure Island. Could have been The Princess Bride. And just wanting more of, like, the Dread Pirate, Robert side of things. like Get us off of land. Like, take us to the high seas. Yes. Yeah, I always just wanted to be on a boat, which is highly funny because I get seasick so fast.
0: Have you been on a boat then?
1: I have. Nothing crazy, just little excursions off of the shore here and there. And until I discovered drumamine, it was a very terrible experience. And I was sad because how could I love the ocean so much and then be sick on a boat? That is very sad.
0: (laughs) I I have not been on a a very big boat yet. And I'm afraid that's going to happen to me and i i understand that pain of
1: like but no my soul is on the ocean mm-hmm. uh drumamine take it it's great there's boats ships pirate ship things you can pay money to go on and it's like a whole dinner experience and theater experience and they they have them in florida mexico pay money and go sail off for a little bit have dinner and a show it's great Anytime I can dress up like a pirate, I'm going to take that opportunity and do it. Oh, yes.
0: Did you dress up to any of them? Maybe not the first one, but which ones did you dress up for?
1: Oh, I did dress up for one. I think it was the second one because there was a pretty big gap between the first one and when the second one was released. I went to the premiere. I had a Jack Sparrow t-shirt, had a... Bandana with the danglies off of it, did my makeup and went to the theater dressed like that. It's pretty great. I've walked around stores dressed like a pirate. I voted like a pirate. You voted like a pirate? Par- that makes me
0: so happy.
1: I did. It was great. I loved it.
0: <laughs> That's so great.
1: <laughs> I worked like a pirate from home one day during quarantine. Because you got to switch things up a little bit. You do. Anything to, yeah, anything to bring a little light. <laughs> <laughs> so true.
0: Oh, I have a last question. Yeah. So do you think they're going to continue making Pirates movies? And if so, what would you like to see? What is the the next
1: Pirate stories that, w- that would fill your soul? Maybe more women Pirates. Mm-hmm. And I've heard rumors that there is a sixth one in development. I'm curious where they can take it because they've covered a lot of ground and legends with it. And if they're going based on timelines, they're starting to run up against the gun of pirates being kind of booted from the seas. They could maybe do some more backstory on mm-hmm. Jack Sparrow and Barbosa, backstories have to be done very very carefully in my opinion for them to work well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but maybe they can do it they've gotten five pirate movies to be pretty successful and so they they could be the ones to do it
0: awesome oh thank you Audrey for talking about pirates with me and music and costumes all these things I love Yeah, it's been great, Kendra. Thank you so much, too. Thank you so much for listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I hope you enjoy the artwork I make for each and every episode, which you can see on social media like Instagram and Facebook. You can support the podcast on Patreon. And don't forget to send me a random quote using the Anchor app. Next time on The Patchwork Girl and Friends.
1: My name is Ibra Condrell and we will be talking about the HBO series Rome.